Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad for Podgo. I recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O co. Don't forget to add our podcast, Chatter from the Cheap Seats, from the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. If you have a show, go to Podgo. Hey guys, welcome back to Chatter from the Cheap Seats. I'm your host, Jack Feldman. Alongside my co-host, Sammy Krimstein, Ori is not joining us for this episode. You guys can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at chatter underscore cheap seats pod. Click the call button in the bio of our Instagram to leave a voicemail or call 202-743-1767. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out a lot. And also subscribe and click that notification bell on to our YouTube, which is just chatter from the cheap seats. Sammy, how you doing today? I'm doing very good today. Um, this is actually our first week of school virtually. And I know Jack is going back in person next week, which is going to be crazy, I'm sure. But yeah, we had virtual school and I was kind of expecting for you know something to go wrong just because it's this whole new thing we're doing and no one's ever done this before in the history of humankind, online school. So, But it actually went well. It was very smooth. There was only one little technical issue at the very beginning, but then it, everything was solved. And uh, it's been weird doing school virtually, though. I will say it's, it's not – it doesn't feel the same. You, get, you don't really get to talk to your friends and stuff. It's, it's weird, but it's working out so far. How, how are you doing, Jack? Yeah, so my school is hybrid, so I start next week, but we're doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday online, and then Thursday and Friday is in-person for me, the, for half the grade, the other half the grade, Monday, Tuesday is in-person, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is online. However, teachers, some teachers are choosing to just do online learning, so my math teacher is going to be all online, which is going to be uh, kind of difficult, because math's like math is one of the the most important, if not the most important subject in school. And so my whole class is going to be in the classroom and the teacher is going to be on a computer talking to us. I can just, I can picture wow. some problems it, coming that up. Is, yeah, that's, I mean, that's just, that's, I mean, going to be really weird. It's like, I mean, I, I totally under, I totally understand. Yeah. Anyone I definitely see it. some kids causing some trouble when the teacher's not actually in the classroom. Yeah, I mean, it's hard enough to control a class when you're there, but I mean, she's just going to be on a computer screen. I mean, that's going to be tough, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, at least you get to like see people, you know? Yeah. I mean, 2020 that's, is a crazy year, man. It's I feel, I feel I like mean, remember place- at the beginning of the year when World War three was about to start, like I felt like 10 years ago. It, it does. I mean, this year, I just feel like, just crazy, bad, horrible things keep happening. And at this point, I'm just immune to it. Like, I'm just like, well, it may as well. It's 2020. Like, yeah, I'm just, it's crazy. Uh, 2021 better be good. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Like, and, just to add, be- and just to add to the list of horrible things to happen in 2020, 
Hall of Fame pitcher Tom Seaver, uh, uh-huh. universally known as the greatest Met of all time, uh, has passed away uh, from a little bit of dementia and then also COVID-19. And it is very sad. He was nicknamed the franchise because he immediately transformed in the Mets franchise as soon as he set foot in Flushing's Queens. He was amazing, and he is always known for that little patch of dirt on his yep. left knee. And it was a nice tribute. The Mets, in their first game back, every single player in the Mets had a little piece of dirt, little patch of dirt on their left knee. That, that was really creative tribute. And I was watching some video, and I saw some pictures of him. And his, like, I mean, how he pitched, that is hard to do, to how low he drives that knee in. I mean, that is really cool to see. And obviously it was su- successful because now I'm looking at his – baseball reference page and my god this guy was a monster he led the league in era three times and he led the league in strikeouts five times wow. career era of two eight six tom Seaver is going to be he's going to be missed by all of us not just mets fans we he was a huge figure. He's one of those and guys. One of the best players. One, one of, of those guys, like like in our generation, like I'm a Yankees fan, but I, I check the, the box score every week to see how Jacob DeGrom did. I check the box score every week to see how Max Scherzer did. Mm-hmm. He's one of those generational players. And it brings up an interesting question. So for, for the older people's generation, they had guys like Tom Seaver. In our generation, who do you think are like the top three generational players pitchers that we're going to look back 30 years from now and think about. I have, wow. I'll give you, I think Clayton Kershaw is one. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I would say Jacob DeGrom will be another one. And then who would you say the third would be? Well, are you talking, is it players who have already made their mark or players that are kind of just starting? Because I think- Players that have already made their mark. I, I mean, I okay. would say, you, would you say it's fair to say Jacob DeGrom would be up there too? Jacob DeGrom, I, I, I'd say it's got to be- I mean, there are a lot of guys you could go with. I think Verlander could be in the conversation. I think Scherzer's definitely in the conversation. DeGrom, obviously. Kershaw, Kershaw's got to be on any list. Kershaw, I think Kershaw is the greatest pitcher of our generation. I yeah, think I, I, well, I was uh, yesterday, he was pitching yesterday, and I was watching, it was on MLB Network, and the Dodgers commentators were just talking about how special he was. And they were kind of making the same connection we're making with Tom Seaver, how how other people would think of like a Tom Seaver or a Nolan Ryan or, you know, but he Kershaw is, is that special. guy. And that's he's still the thing. special. Yesterday, that's he was the thing. Like, he was he's so special. He just five. recorded, uh, he just recorded his career 2,500th strikeout, which is oh. ridiculous. And if you look at his numbers over the past, like this year, he has a 1.50 ERA. But if you look at his numbers from the past couple of years, like 2019, he had a 3.03 ERA. Year before that, 2.73. Year before that, 2.31. Year before that, uh, 1.69, which is absolutely ridiculous. But people think like he kind of like fell off a cliff. He hasn't. No. He has not. He's had, other than his first year in the majors in 2008, he's had every single year he's had, his high. he's never had an ERA above four. He had his first My year... Man. He had a 4.26, but that was his first year in the majors. And ever since then, from 2009 to 2020, he had one season where he had an ERA over three. One. That is crazy. 
I mean, Clayton Kershaw, he's one of those guys where, like, a two-year-old now or whatever, like, when they're in the major leagues, they're going to be on the field and, like, they're going to pass a record, right? Some crazy thing. And they're going to be thinking, like, wow, I'm in the same conversation as Clayton Kershaw. Like, that's how special he is. He is, like, he'll be remembered, a hundred, like, 100 years from now. I'm just looking Absolutely. at his on his baseball reference page, and you know how it has like all the career accolades on the top right hand side. It's probably of like an endless page. list. Yeah, so yeah, it has a minor league player of the year, which isn't that impressive. But if you look at his major league stuff, he has one Gold Glove, five times ERA title. He led the league in ERA five times. He's an eight time All Star, three times Cy Young, one MVP, and then he has the pitching triple crown. That is. I mean, that's astonishing. Oh, yeah. He's, he is like, I wish there was like a way to vote people in before their first ballot to the Hall of Fame. Because if you could do that, Clayton Kershaw's the guy. Like a Him, Mike Trout, Miggy. I mean, oh, yeah. they're all future Hall of Famers. First ballots, yeah. And we've oh. kind of steered away a little bit from Tom Seaver. And yeah. it's just, it's very unfortunate. Uh, he passed away. A lot of people uh, have said that, have visited him in the past couple of years, have said that he didn't even remember who he was. He was really suffering from dementia. It's really, it was really wow. just a, a sad incident. It and is, I mean, yeah. he's, he's one of the greats. And Michael Kay, the Yankees broadcaster, told a story on the air that I'm going to repeat because I thought it was a really cool story. When Michael Kay first got the Yankees job, the, the Yankees media was playing the Seattle Mariners media in a baseball game. And this was Tom, when Tom Seaver, Tom's been 44 years old, uh, and he just he just uh, became the Yankees broadcaster. He was the Yankees colored, colored, colored. And so Michael Kay was on the mound pitching, and he did the bases, right? He was not pitching well. And the Mariners uh, media was talking some trash. And Tom Seaver was playing third base in khakis. He was wearing a polo shirt and khakis. <laughs> and Michael Kay says to Tom, and and, and – Keep in mind that the Mariners, they're, they're ragging on Michael K. They're talking all this crap. And Michael K. just turns to Tom at third and says, hey, you want to pitch? And Tom says, give me the ball. Nine pitches, nine strikes, three strikeouts. And, I mean, he wasn't pumping 95. It was a good – it was four, years, four to five years after he retired. But, I mean, the Mariners, the Mariners media was terif- were terrified. And oh, yeah. after the inning, Tom Seaver walks off the mound. And he has a little piece of dirt on his left knee. That's that is legendary. Like that's like the stuff legends are made of. Like my God, yeah, Tom Seaver. It's just it's sad whenever you lose a, a legend of that magnitude. And he really was for Mets fans, for baseball fans, and just looking at revisiting how good he actually was. Like we're doing is it's really astonishing, and it just makes it all the more sad uh, of his passing. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those passings that hits you like a sack of bricks. But yeah. let's move on now to football where Leonard Fournette just got signed a contract oh, yeah. by the Bucks, And you got to think, the Bucks now have, I would say, a top five offense in the NFL. And Tom Brady easily, hands down, has the best weapons he's ever had in his entire career. Oh, yeah, without a he, doubt. Yes, Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans might be 
the best wide receiver duo in the NFL. Gronkowski, Gronkowski and OJ Howard, who is a really I mean, one on most other teams. This, I mean, it's unbelievable what Tom Brady is going to have at his well, disposal. Bruce Arians, who is a really good offensive coach. Sammy, are you are you rethinking your prediction of the Bucks being highly overrated? Well, yeah, I we're uh, going to be talking about this a little bit later too, as we're doing our uh, AFC and NFC South. But I mean, I, I I'm like I want to not like the Bucks. I'm like, no, it's too much hype, blah blah blah. But like. You just look at the facts, and it's like this offense is crazy good. I top you know five. The Bucks kind of remind me of the Reds. <laughs> no, I was going to say because because when you said I don't want to like them because of the hype. Now this is a team that did not turn out well. Uh, they're still they still have a, a chance. The Browns right after they signed Laundry, uh, Laundry and yeah. OBJ, they had a lot of hype. That's true, and that, that's why I'm worried about this because I was, I was a little hesitant about the Browns, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to give in to it. I, they're going to win the division, 12 games. They're a good team, and I think the difference with the Buccaneers just comes with they're a more complete team. They have yeah. a good defense. They good have coach. a good line. They have a good coach. And also, I think the that their offense – there yet. And I, I think that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin is a better duo than Jarvis Landry and OBJ. And I think that yeah. the Bucks have better quarterback, mm-hmm. which obviously is a huge difference. Well, and I think that they have a better offense than the Browns did. Well, when you put a guy like Tom Brady at quarterback, I mean, he's the most successful quarterback in history, so, like it or not. And when you put a guy like that at the helm, no matter what team it on, no matter what team he's on, no matter what weapons he has, it it makes a difference, and it makes that team almost an automatic contender because it has an effect. And when you have the weapons like he has, oh my goodness! And that's why I'm more I'm feeling like I should believe the hype with the Buccaneers as opposed to the Browns because with the Browns, it was a lot of inexperience. Odell Beckham had never been to the playoffs. Baker Mayfield was in his second or third year, maybe. Jarvis Landry had never been to the play. Like, it was just a lot of inexperience. And I get the Bucs are a lot of proven talents. Yeah, but I, mean, I get it. You don't want to fall for the same trap twice mm-hmm. with believing the hype. I, yeah, I just I, – I think this time with the Bucks now really looking at it, I think it could be different. I think they're not going to be, like, a great, great team because I think their defense is still a few steps away. But – they're still a very good team and a team that I would not like to play in the playoffs. I don't want to see the Bucks at all. With Tom Brady, forget about it. Oh, for sure. But let's move on now to the next segment of our show, Hot and Cold. So we're going to start off with Cold. And right. uh, I'll go first here because it's a little bit. pretty near and dear to my heart. I have the New York Yankees, second week in a row, I think. Yeah, yeah the, or we had them last week, yeah. Now we get it. The injuries are a huge deal, and if everyone was healthy, I, I think that the Yankees would be winning games. But the problem is that their bullpen, Chad Green, is blowing games. Aroldis Chapman is blowing games. Zach Britton are, is blowing games. And the Yankees' bullpen is starting to really worry me. The injury to Tommy Canley earlier in the year, I think, huge might blow. be the Yankees' most impactful injury of the year. I think that Gio Urshela today came back 
he's on the um, injured list. Glaber Torres is coming back Sunday, but Gio Urshela goes down. It's like you can't have two people come at the same time. One person comes back from the I.L., another person goes down. That's It has to be a trail. But well, I think that, I mean, the Yankees are having high leverage relievers blow games. And honestly, I think that I trust uh, Chad Green in the playoffs. I trust Zach Britton in the playoffs. I trust Aroldis Chapman in the playoffs. I sort of halfway trust Adam Adebino, but that's really it. And I think that maybe if you have a guy like Debbie Garcia uh, made his major league debut a couple of days ago, pitched unbelievable. He's pitching again tonight for the Yankees. If maybe you can put him in the playoffs for the, in, put him in the bullpen for the playoffs. He's got a lot of confidence. I do not think that high pressure situations are going to face him. That could really upgrade the bullpen because I still think that the Yanks, I'm still confident that we can make a deep playoff run, but it's, it's a little bit nerve wracking based on the past couple games. Well, yeah, in any season, especially a 60 game season though, Bullpen talent and every bullpen arm, every good, trusted bullpen arm cannot be undervalued. That is so important. Like, I mean, think about it. I mean, you were talking about Tommy Canely. If he's healthy and he's playing good baseball, how many more wins do you think you guys would have? I would say it's hard to judge. I would say I would say five or six. I would say he's I mean, that big a deal. Because the thing is, the Yankees have a plan. Let's say, and what happened is last year, Adovino, one of the best relievers in baseball, this year they're afraid to use him against lefties. I don't understand why they're not putting him in high leverage situations because he was unbelievable last year. And he hasn't really shown you anything this year that would suggest otherwise. I mean, he hasn't had the same year he had last year. Last year he had an, a, a below two ERA. He was really unbelievable. But this year, if you look at his statistics, he's a 3.55 ERA, which isn't great, but he's gotten blown up in one or two starts. So if you take those out of the equation, he's been pretty good. And I don't, I mean, I don't understand why they're not using him more like the reliever he was last season. It's kind of frustrating to be honest, but mm-hmm. obviously the Yankees, you got eighth and ninth set up Britton Chapman. Both of those guys could be, Britton could be one of the best closers in baseball. And then in the seventh, normally like, let's say everyone is healthy on the Yankees playoff roster, okay? And you got to go... That would be something. That would be something. (laughs) You got to go three games set, right? First game, Tanaka gives you seven strong innings. You go Brayton, Chapman for the close, right? Right. For game one. Next game, let's let's say Luis Severino gives you four innings. Now you're thinking you can use Chad Green and stretch Chad Green at out because Chad Green can give you two innings most of the time. But okay. the problem is now with Tommy Kinley hurt, we have to rely on that. And then Chad Green can't couldn't pitch in game three where uh, Chapman and Britton might not have been available. But what we could have done with Tommy Kinley is we could have used Tommy Kinley and, and stretched it out so Chad Green could only have to pitch one inning because Chad Green is now pitching two innings, which he is totally capable of doing. But he's right. basically pitching Tommy Kinley's inning and then Chad Green's inning. Because Tommy Canley can come in in the sixth, in the fifth. He can come out of jams. He has that nasty changeup to lefties. He's a really complete pitcher. He's a really good pitcher. And his loss, the Yankees are feeling it. Yeah, and with the Yankees, like, I trust the guys. Like, offensively, I'll trust them to get runs. Even if, like, everyone is out. 
because I don't trust this team. The Yankees have four guys who have it, uh, a batting average under 200. Gary Sanchez has a 100 and something batting average. Tyler Wade has an under 200 batting average. Brett Gardner, uh, I'm pretty sure has a under 200 batting average. And then uh, Tyra Estrada has an under 200 batting average. Mike Talkman has an under 200 batting average. Gio Rochelle is playing out of his mind. He just went on the 10-day IL. Luke Voigt is playing out of his mind. DJ LeMayu is playing out of his mind. Other than those three, there's no one in the Yankees lineup that I trust right now. Fair enough. But even when some of, the, when, when some of those pieces start coming back, and even when they're not, I, I think the stress and the pressure is going to be on the bullpen, like you were saying, because maybe they're not the best offense in baseball like they really should be. Or and I think three. they will be. I think and they, they will be. be. But, like, even if they're not doing that, they're going to be in ball games. And if you can't trust your bullpen or you don't have arms or you have guys that are hurt, it, it makes it very hard to win games. You – I think what separates good teams from bad teams really is those close games. You're going to get blown out. Every team gets blown out. You're going to blow other teams out. It happens. But those close games, it's your bullpen. Can your bullpen hold the other team? And can your offense score runs in the latter innings of the game? If you can do that, you are a winning team. The Yankees have been having trouble doing that. And against good teams, they haven't been able to do that. Like the Rays, who, yes, have great pitching, but – if you're going to want to win that division, you're going to have to beat the Rays. The bullpen is so important for the Yankees don't think, because their offense is going to get clarify good. what you were saying, Sammy. I don't think the Yankees have a real chance to win the division. I don't think that should be worrisome at all because the playoffs are probably going to be played in a bubble. I don't think what seed they are really matters anyway. However, what scares me about the Yankees is it's like guys like Mike Talkman, Brett Gardner, they're in slumps, right? I don't really care because neither of them are going to be playing in the playoffs, right? Hopefully, but the not. thing that I mean, maybe maybe as a defensive replacement. What worries me is Gary Sanchez. He had that bomb today, but then he had three other at bats where he struck out. He looked awful. I mean, the amount of fastballs right down the middle that he's either fouling off or just swinging right through is uncanny. It's unbelievable to tell you the truth. And he's a guy you're not gonna you're not gonna start Hagashioka. You're not gonna start Eric Kratz over him in the playoffs, uh, despite how many Yankee, many irrational Yankee fans uh, feel. But he's going to be there, and if he's not hitting well, I don't think the Yankees have a real chance to win the World Series this year. He has to turn it around, and he has to turn it around fast. Yeah, and uh, so we, spent, we did spend a lot of time on the Yankees. I'm going to move on to Mike Hold now, and I have got a guy who is known for his blazing speed. He is fast, but... He can't really hit. Not a great career hitter. I think I know who you're talking about. First OPSs consistently. And can I guess? It's even worse. I bet you're pro- you probably already know who I'm talking about. I have about. two guesses. Uh, it's between D. Gordon and Billy Hamilton. I'm going to guess Billy Hamilton. No, you are wrong twice. Who Alberto Mondesi. Really? Yeah. I was he, just thinking because, I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah, he he is struggling. He, he uh, since Saturday this week has gone zero for twenty. He is not hitting anything up there, and he's not known for being a great hitter. He's a good defensive player. You can put him in a lot of spots, and he's a great base runner. He will he can win games for you in that regard. Not a great hitter, but 
he's able to get some production, no hits all week, and he walked once. Really tough sledding for, yeah. I mean, at Alberto Modesty, negative 0.3 war. Wow, and it's hard that's to tough. utilize your speed if you can't get on base, you know? Exactly, that's the thing. I, maybe, I mean, if you get on base 30% of the time, that's good. I mean, that's not great, but if you're a good base runner, that's just enough. If you're not getting a base, if you're not getting on base at all, you're not really helping your team as a fast player, as a good base runner. And the only contributions you can make are defensively. And if that's going to be the case for Mondesi, you wonder, is that a player you can even put in the lineup day in and day out? Because there are players, I can't remember his name, but there's a guy who played for the Cubs. His only role, the only reason he's playing professional baseball is because he's fast. He did not have an at-bat the whole time he was with the Cubs. He played defense once. I don't remember his name. I, I'm blanking on it, but... It's a guy a couple years Do you years think Mondesi like could be a sprint? Kind of he's like a Jamaican sprinter, like a track sprinter. And some team signed him to a contract, and all he did was pinch run. And I mean, in the playoffs for a contending team, that could be very important. Like, like I was saying, those close, whoop, nah. <laughs> those close games... Having a good pinch runner, having someone that can score from first to uh, first, get from first to third on a single, or even score on some of those plays, is super important. And I think modesty is valuable. But if he's not getting on base, then maybe you want, maybe you uh, ponder putting him in the lineup at all. Yeah, for sure. And I'm gonna go ahead and give my hot now, which is a basketball team. It's the Heat. Yeah. The Heat have been absolutely blazing. They just went up today, recently, a couple minutes before we started recording this. They just came up 3 0 on the Bucks. They are winning 3 0 against the Bucks. That is crazy. Well, yeah. And the remarkable thing they're down by seven at halftime, no big lead. At the end of the third quarter, they are down 12 points. And in the fourth quarter, they outscore the Bucks 40 to 13. And look, the Bucks are a solid team, but when Giannis is not putting up like 30 points, which he did not today, he put up 21, they can't win games because at the, when it comes to the stretch, they're just not able to stick with teams like the Heat. And the Heat, they don't have a star the magnitude of Giannis. I'll give them that. I'll give the Bucks that. But... Jimmy, playoff Jimmy Butler is one of the best players in the league. Bam Adebayo is really fun to watch. And even some guys coming off the bench, like Jay Crowder, making a huge impact. The Heat are a fun team, and it is going to be nearly impossible for the Bucks to come back in this series. Never saying no. Who would have saw that coming? Yeah, I know. I, I love to see it because the NBA has been a league that I – Past few years have been turned off of just because there was not much parity. It was like it's very the Cavaliers and the Warriors year in, year out. And it's like, it's going to be one of those two teams. This has been a year for the NBA that has been a turnaround because you have so many teams like the Heat, uh, like the Celtics, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, that are making runs. Not like the top teams in each conference. They're just... A lot of solid teams this year, and I love to see it. And I've been heavily invested in the NBA, much more than past years. 
And uh, we're going to be talking about the NBA in just a little bit, so stay tuned. But I'm going to be talking about my hot, and I am going to go back to baseball. And I got a player on my own, Chicago Cubs. Love to do it because it means that the team's doing well, which they are. And I got Ian Happ, and not a guy many people really regard as a great player, but he's always been a solid guy for the Cubs. This year, he's playing like an MVP candidate, and the stats are there for him. He has an OPS this year over 900. In this past week, 417 batting average, four home runs, 1,000-plus slugging percentage. He is really swinging it well up there. He was second in the MLB in war this past week. Ian Happ is on a Cubs roster where Bryant has been struggling a little bit. Rizzo's playing well, but not as great as he should be. Baez is struggling a lot. The fact that Ian Happ is in the top 10 in home runs and is absolutely raking up there means when so people, much for the Cubs. When uh, baseball fans around the leagues that aren't necessarily Cubs fans take notice of what Ian Happ is doing and, and start thinking to, to themselves, oh, damn, Ian Happ is legit. That's a big deal. Ian Happ has been mm-hmm. playing unbelievable. And I know he I've really said has. unbelievable about yeah. 10 times this podcast. I'm going to work on that. But, yeah, I mean, he's been playing great. Ian Happ, yeah, and it's just funny because the Cubs have been a team where they've had that same core for the past few years, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, Contreras, but Happ is outplaying all of them right now by a lot, and it gets me thinking that he could be next five years for the Cubs, that star player, because he's really playing like that right now, and He's still very young. He's, I believe, only 25 or something. So he hasn't even hit his prime yet. I'm very excited to see what Ian Happ does in the future because this year has been phenomenal. He's, he's definitely a scary player. Oh, absolutely. Hey, Sammy? Yeah. I have a question for you. All right. I, I love questions. I love questions. We're a question pod. Big question pod. Word, word pod, question pod. You got Sammy? It. All right. uh, what top three teams do you think are suited to make a run in the playoffs besides the Dodgers and the Yankees when healthy? Ooh. Well, this is this is a tough one. Um, so I, 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 I'm going to give my top three. I'm going to give my top three. Number three, I'm going to have to go with the Padres. And they're a team that I was a little low on to start the year. Kind of like that thing we were talking about earlier, believing the hype. The Padres did have a lot of hype. Tatis was supposed to I be I have good. to take credit for Machado. that. I think- out of me, you, and Ori, I picked the Padres to do the best. And even then, it was like I picked them to go a little bit above 500. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I thought they were going to be a good team, but I was not quite believing the hype. I should have bought into the hype because they are a great team. The pitching has been phenomenal. The, Nelson LeMay has been a legitimate ace on that staff. And then you got the offense, which is really the exciting part. And the pieces are coming together. And as a GM management, when you make all these moves, they trade for Tatis, they trade for Matata, Machado, excuse me, they sign Hosmer. It's got to feel good to see all that come together. And it, they're really a good team. That's why they're they went number three. all out for sure this year. Oh, they, they did. And then uh, the trade for um, – we haven't talked about that. Mike Clevenger, uh, we did not talk about that trade deadline, but um, – that really makes an impact because it takes an already really good rotation and makes it top tier. And I don't think they're catching up to the Dodgers because the Dodgers are 
you know, something else. That's why they're the team, like, we're not even considering because they're just above everybody else. But The Dodgers are just doing their thing, man. They are mm-hmm. playing very well. Yeah, but the Padres, I think if they're in any other division, they're a first-place team. And I really do believe that. They're a great, great team. But I'm going to have to go with number two. And I have got my own Chicago Cubs. And some of you, if you know I'm a Cubs fan, might be rolling your eyes. Ah, whatever. Sammy talking about the Cubs again, blah, 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 blah. But they are a team that has been playing good baseball and they are they have one of the best records in the league. And the thing that blows you away is that, like I was saying before, their top guys haven't even been playing the best baseball. Bryant and Baez both batting below 200, really struggling. Contreras has been playing all right, but not playing great. And yes, it's, you have some guys like Ian Happ really stepping up, but you got to think when Bryant... Baez and Contreras start playing at their full potential, the Cubs are going to be really scary because they're, all, they're already playing good baseball. And then you got you Darvish, who is, as of now, this NL Cy Young guy. Um, if he can keep pitching like that, the Cubs are definitely a World Series contender. And lastly, I got to mention the fact that they're experienced. They, yes, missed the playoffs last year, but before that, they had made the playoffs every year since 2015. They have guys who have been here before, have been to the NLCS before, have won a World Series before, and the leadership of David Ross, I think, is also a very important thing because he is a guy who has had a lot of experience in postseasons in his playing career. And yes, it's his first year as a coach, as a manager, but he's really impressed me so far. He knows the guys in the clubhouse, and the Cubs just have a rapport. They have the talent to be a contender. Uh, when it comes down to it in October. But lastly, I've got to go with the Tampa Bay Rays. And my, have they been an impressive team? Brandon Lau has been playing MVP-esque baseball. You've got the rotation who has not been as good as even expected, but they're still one of the best teams in the league record-wise. They just got Morton back, so that really bolsters everything. They're going to be a hard team to beat in the postseason just when it you think about the starting pitching in the bullpen, who have both been phenomenal this year. They have the tools and the pieces, talent-wise, to win games in the playoffs and beat the best teams. And in the AL, they're the team to beat right now. It's not the A's. It's not the Yankees. Not the Twins. Not the Indians. None of them. It's the it's the Tampa Bay Rays. They are a really, really good team. And uh, Jack, I, I got to ask you the same question. I'll let you... What what are you besides Dodgers and the Yankees? What are your teams that uh Well Sammy, I'm, I'm glad you asked because I did, I'm yeah, to thank tell you. you. Yes. Uh number three, I have and this will come as a bit of a surprise to everybody. I have the Cincinnati Reds. Oh no, come on, bro. <laughs> now I'm gonna say this because right now the Cincinnati Reds are not in the playoffs. I don't think. I might be wrong about that. They are they, not you're right. you're correct. They are not a playoff team. They're in fourth place. But, the question, I think that if they make it to the playoffs, they have their they're starting three pitchers with uh, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, and uh, I'm blanking on the third one. Uh, Castillo? Yeah, Luis Castillo can match up against any team in baseball. And I think that I would be surprised if they didn't make it out of the first round of the playoffs if they 
make it because all they have to do is make the playoffs. And I am very confident in that team. I think that they have guys that haven't been playing that well, like uh, Shogo Akiyama, Joey Votto, yeah. Nicholas Castellanos has played well. Uh, Mike Moustakis, Eugenio uh, Suarez. Yeah. Once those guys start to pick it up, you have the addition of Archie Bradley. Uh, I think that in a, in a, in a best of three series, or in, not best of three, first of three series, I think you got you brought Trevor Bauer for game one, Sonny Gray for game two, and Luis Castillo for game three. That is a deadly combination. Well, yeah, and the Reds are a team that their top three guys in that rotation are really, really good. They match up. I mean, I would take those three guys over maybe any three in baseball out of any team. Yeah, and Castillo's been struggling a little bit, but he's, his stuff is good enough where I expect him, when it comes crunch time, to be able to perform. But when it gets to the bottom of the rotation, I'm just not buying it. Tyler Mal and Anthony DiScafani have been But really the thing bad. is, they don't have, but in, well, in a playoff situation, they don't have to pitch. And that, that's where I was going with it. If they make the play, that, that's where they've been losing a lot of games, the back end of the rotation. They just hadn't been able to put up enough runs to compete with the amount of runs that their pitchers are giving up. But in the playoffs, you could easily go with a three-man rotation, especially after a short 60-game season. So, yeah, if the Reds do make the playoffs, they're a team that can make it a few rounds deep in this weird eight-game per league setting. So who's your uh, number two? So my number two team, uh, Sammy, I had to copy you a little bit. I had to go with the Tampa Bay Rays. I think that the Tampa Bay Rays are, I mean, they're the team to beat. Uh, They're they're getting guys back from injury like Charlie Morton. Their whole bullpen is still, most of their bullpen is is injured, and they're still getting it done. The Rays have one of the best, if not the best bullpen in baseball. They have, I mean, guys like Diego Castillo, just a 99 mile per hour, two seamers in on your hands. Jose Alvarado, Nick Anderson. I mean, they're yeah. unbelievable. It's re- and it, it's just I hate fun them, to but. see guy. It's fun to see guys stepping up. You know, with some of the injuries you were talking about, and just the stuff that that team has is like crazy. Just like it's it's so hard to hit. I I, I you know. I couldn't imagine anyone really putting up big numbers on that pitching staff. And especially when it comes to postseason when, yes, there aren't too many weak spots, but when you can kind of eliminate some of the weaker guys and really give your top pitchers all of the innings, they're going to be tough to beat. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, for sure. And for my number one team, I am all in on this team. All in. The Cleveland Indians. Interesting. I okay. I like that. Uh, now, I don't hear what you have to say. Everyone knows that they did sell sort of at the deadline, selling Mike Clevenger. I but think I don't it, think it was more of a personality thing. I believe. Yeah, yeah, and I don't think it's that big a deal. Uh, they got a lot of prospects for him. Not any that. I mean, a lot of pe- it's very polarizing. A lot of people think they did a good job with the trade. A lot of people don't think they did a good job with the. However, um, if you look at the roster, Shane Bieber is. The pitch, he's a Cy Young candidate. Carlos Carrasco pitching well. Uh, Aaron Savelli, they just called him up in in place of uh, Mike Clevenger, and he's been pitching incredible. Uh, they still got guys like Austin Hedges as a catcher. I mean, Francisco Lindor, obviously. Uh, Jose Ramirez, Carlos Santana. 
Uh, their outfield, Delino D. Shields, Oscar Mercado, who has been playing out of his yeah, mind. Mercado has been playing very good. Yeah, uh, Tyler Nyquin, Fran Mill Reyes. Fran oh, Mill I love Fran Reyes. Mill Reyes bro. I, I talked about him when we did the, uh, the AL Central uh, preview. Preview. I thought that he would have been. I thought that he's going to be one of the best players on this Indians team, and he has not disappointed. His stats are insane. He's oh batting three thirty six this season with eight home runs, uh, a three eighty eight on base percentage, a five seventy five slugging percentage, and a whopping nine sixty two OPS. I mean, he's been really good. Yeah, he has far and away been the best player on the Indians team. It's been. Really fun to watch. I absolutely love Fran Mill Reyes. He is just, he's going to be one of the bright young players these next few years that is not getting talked about as much as maybe Luis Robert or Fernando Tatis. Fran Mill Reyes is, uh, is one of those guys who is going to be up there. But the Indians are one of those teams where you have guys not playing to their full potential. Lindor has been playing good, but an OPS of only 796. Uh, Cesar Hernandez, only an OPS of 745. Ramirez, Reyes have been playing good. Santana's been struggling. And like I was talking about with but the that, Cubs a But that's bit. what makes me excited about this team, because if everybody was playing good and they, they weren't getting dubs, that would worry me. But the fact that not everybody is playing good, and this is a little bit of reverse uh, psychology here, not everybody is playing good. It lets me know that when, when they are playing good, they're going to win games. I would be more worried if every, like, like in a red situation, sort of with their pitching, every, their pitching has been unbelievable, but they still haven't been able to win games. Well, I mean, and the Indians are in first place currently in that division. And like, like we're saying, they have some guys not quite playing to the full potential offensively. And a lot of it really was due to that horrendous start to the season. But if they could get hot at the end of the year, get a good seed in the playoffs, they're a team with experience in the playoffs. They've been there constantly these past few years. It's going to be really fun to see the uh, Cleveland Indians. I'll, I I agree with you. They they were not. They didn't quite make my list, but I I, I put them at number four. Maybe I'd put the A's above them. But uh, do you have the A's at number one? Because uh, that's what kind of what I'm guessing. I had the Indians at number one. Oh, the Indians were number one. Okay. Yeah. That's my bad. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I guess that, yeah, very, very interesting question. Good, good, good thinking. All right. So uh, now we're going to be moving on. We're going to be talking about some NBA stuff real quick. And first, we got to talk about the game sevens. There were two of them. First round, fun to watch. Jazz Nuggets. The Jazz blow a three to one lead. And I got to tell you, I feel really bad for Donovan Mitchell. He balled out. He led the league in scoring in that uh, first round. What more could he have done? He was carrying that team to each win they had in that series, and it still wasn't enough to overcome the more well-rounded, I'd say, uh, Denver Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've really. I don't. I don't think there's any way that the Denver Nuggets are going to be able to win this series. Yeah, I'm just I tell you straight up. I think the Clippers are too good. The Clippers are too good. And I was watching yesterday. The Nuggets just looked exhausted. They stuck with the Clippers a little bit through the first quarter, but first few minutes of the second, it was just hard. they couldn't keep up. And I mean, the Clippers got out of a pretty easy series with the Mavericks relatively and. 
the uh, Nuggets are coming out of a seven-game series. They're exhausted, and even at full strength, they can't compete with the crazy talent of the Clippers. It's, it's a shame. I do like the Nuggets, but the Clippers are too, too good. And our other game seven was the Rockets and Thunder, which I was watching as well. The last 1.1 second of that game, I, I put it on my phone. It was late at night. I wanted to go to bed, but I was like, you know what? There's one second left. How long could this take? And I'm sitting there. I'm watching. It took me like 15 minutes to watch one second of a basketball game. And as it turned out, the Thunder just choked. James Harden made a great defensive play, and then they just couldn't get anything to go. They missed some free throws at the end. The Thunder, after the way they played in Game 7, the way they choked, did not deserve to move to this next round. The Rockets, Thunder, the Rockets did not win that series. The Thunder lost that series. The Thunder and lost it. Can we just talk about the officiating for a second? Because it, 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 was, it, it was horrible in that game. It was horrible in the Bucks game. It was just, it was not, it was not good. Yeah, I, NBA officiating is not, it's probably like the bottom of sports, I'd say. It's, it's just not good. It, it used, I think it used to be a lot better, like maybe like 20. Eh, I mean, there's that whole scandal with that guy, uh, that ref throwing games. So I don't, I don't know if it was much better. Yeah, it's, but uh, l- let's talk about uh, some non-sweep conversations and we already talked about the Celtics and Heat a little bit but they are both off to incredible starts and if both these teams the Celtics obviously choked yesterday they're up 2-1 the Heat are up 3-0 on the number one seed Bucks if both these teams make it to the Eastern Conference final who you got you know that's an interesting question. I think I would have to go, hmm, you know, I'm going to pass on this one. Let's hear what you have to say. Oh, pass. Yeah, I got to well, think about this. I'm going to have to go with the Celtics, and I love what the Heat have been doing. They're a young, exciting team, gritty on defense, explosive on offense, and they're a great team to watch. But the Celtics, like I've said numerous times before, I think they are the second most talented team in the NBA behind the Clippers with Tatum, with Brown, with Smart. It's really tough. And, yeah, I, it was not encouraging to see them blow the game against the Raptors yesterday, which was an incredible game. Uh, OG with the three-pointer to win it. It was really fun to watch. But as a person, as myself, rooting for the Celtics, I think they're a good team. Not fun to watch, but... That's besides the point. Celtics, no matter what, are a talented team, a well-rounded team, a well-coached team. And I'd put them against anybody except for the Clippers. I, I'd say that. So have you, know, you had uh, more time to think about it? Yeah, this is going to look bad, but I'm going to have to go here with, with the Celtics also. But different reasoning. I think that the Heat are up 3-0 against the Bucks, and the Celtics should be up 3-0 against the the Raptors, I mean, it was like a fluky, a little bit of fluke ending to the game. Yeah. I mean, not fluky, the Raptors turned it on, but I think the Raptors are a better team than the Heat, and I think that's kind of goes into my reasoning a bit. I think that mm-hmm. the Celtics also are a little bit of a deeper team than the Heat. They have, yeah. I think, Jason I, I Tatum. Agree. I would put Jason Tatum right there up against Jimmy Butler. Oh, absolutely. I think the Heat are a better defensive team, but I think that the I would take the Celtics there. Yeah, I... I I would agree. I'd agree with you there. And 
Yeah, but you were talking about how the Celtics have been playing against the Raptors, and how fun has that been to watch? The Raptors were a team that in the bubble, I think they've only, going into the bubble, they only lost a game to the Celtics. And now here they are against the Celtics, and they're having a tough time once again beating them. And the Raptors are a team that has been almost invincible against any other team. They had it easy against the Nets. They be every other team in the bubble, but they play the Celtics and they cannot seem to find ways to win. Yesterday, they did find, manage to pull it off, but I think the Celtics are too much for the Raptors to handle. It's just really the bottom line. And uh, so l- last basketball topic, we're going to be moving on to our next basketball thing. Can the Nuggets survive the Clippers? And we talked about this a tad earlier. Do you think there's any chance that Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, Uh, Michael Porter Jr. coming off the bench. Can they survive the ultra-talented Clippers, or will it be too much? And what's your series prediction? Right now, uh, the Clippers are up one note. Yeah, I don't think there's any way. I think that uh, the Nuggets gave a little bit of a good fight in the first half of the first game against the Clippers. However, I think the Clippers are just a deeper team, a much more talented team, a better defensive team, or just a more well-rounded team. Better coach. I really don't think I mean, that the Nuggets have a have a shot. And Doc Rivers too. I they're they're a better coach team. Uh, I think Doc Rivers is a little bit more on the like veteran side of coach. He's not like one of those you know young fun coaches, but I put him up there with Popovich with uh, Nick Nurse, Brad Steve. Like, he is a top-tier coach in this league after all these years for the Clippers. He, he knows how to get it done, and especially when he has talent like this, it's, that's what make the, makes the Clippers so special. And, yeah, I, I'd have to agree. The Clippers are too much for the poor Nuggets to handle. We'll see. I, I mean, for all we know, it could be a sweep. But uh, we're going to now be moving on to dumb Twitter take. Jack your thing i'll let you take it away uh yeah so it has been a historical day for jack's dumb twitter takes uh this has never happened in the history of jack's dumb twitter takes really all right you're going to be having a double jack's dumb twitter take all right yeah i love to hear it it's 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 a great segment i want because i found i was scrolling through twitter and i found a dumb tweet and then i found an even dumber one so i had to screenshot them both you had so, to do it. There was no choice. He was first, uh, Bob Nightingale uh, from 2013 uh-huh. says, um, Michael Waka will be winning a Cy Young Award one day. Maybe a few of them. Hard to believe this kid was in college last year. Hashtag uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Did not. Not a great take for you, Bobby. Yeah, Michael Waka. Not Waka's a great take. Solid, kind of. I don't even know what his numbers are, to be honest. Uh, no, I wouldn't say solid. I would say maybe a solid uh, career fifth starter. He, yeah. His numbers have not been that solid. He has a career uh, – one second, pulling up the stats here. He has a career uh, – I mean, career 398 ERA, okay, which is solid. It, he was an all-star in 2015. Not but in Cy the past Young. couple games, yeah, last year he had a 476 ERA. He has – yeah, he has no Cy Youngs. One-time All-Star. He was the NLCS MVP, but that didn't really pan out for you, Bob. But let me move on now to the next one, which is even dumber. Uh-oh. This is Jason McIntyre, and the reason why this is so dumb 
is because it was from 2019, which it was it's fairly recent, obviously. Yeah. So uh, this is um, coming right after the news that Josh Josh Rosen has been cut by the Miami Dolphins, and Jason McIntyre of Fox Sports Radio says uh, on May 22nd, 2019, uh, the Cowboys should consider trading Dak Prescott for Josh Rosen. Do I mean e- even in 2019, Josh Rosen was awful. Wait, wait. Can- can you just? I don't. I'm not sure. Josh Rosen for Dak Prescott. Sammy is having right. a hard time. Uh, yeah, Sammy is having a hard time computing this in his brain, folks. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't see the logic there at all. Like, how, how did some of these hacks get a platform on sports talk radio? We're so much better than these guys. <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah, I. I it mean, at least I don't have dumb sense. takes. Uh, I mean, that's I do have dumb takes, but not that dumb. Not that dumb. I I, I can't say I don't have dumb takes. I have had dumb takes. I said yeah, I can't, but 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 not that eleven dumb. games. I mean, not I mean that, that that's dumb. dumb, but like, it's it's different. It's a different kind of dumb. Uh, yeah, that's for, that's yeah. For. Let's move on now to the AFC South and NFC South predictions. So. Yeah. I'll lead us, lead us off. Uh, Sam, you want to start off with the AFC South? Yeah, AFC South. Now, this was a division that stumped me a lot because I think you have three teams that can win first place in this division, and none of these teams blow you away, per se, but they're all solid teams that I think are very close talent-wise to each other, which made it very tough, but I did have to make decisions. I had to do things a certain way and uh, – Let's start with fourth place, which was the easiest decision I had to make, and that was giving one win to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are a really bad team. They're just not good. I think it's safe to say that the Jacksonville Jaguars are a bottom four team in every single rankable category. I I, I think that is almost accurate. Maybe a few categories you could argue is not bottom four, but it is they they're a really bad team uh, that's i uh, there's not too much else to say a few bright spots one of them was leonard fournette but he's gone so that helps my case for the jaguars being really bad isn't it amazing how talented nfl players can just dissipate so fast in the nfl and no one wanted to trade no one wanted to trade for leonard fournette either yeah and I mean, they wouldn't even give up a 6 round pick yeah, it's but now he's getting a little more hype again, and uh, we'll see what he can do. He's he's a good dual threat. I think that could really help that Tampa offense. But we will be talking about that later. We can save that for Tampa Bay. Another bright spot, DJ Chark, who had a great year last year. I'm expecting him to do big things, but with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, I'm not fully trusting him yet. A personality I love. He's you know electric. He you can't miss him, but. As a quarterback, uh, he hasn't shown me that he has the mental capability to be a starting-level quarterback. We'll see what he can do. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. But And then you lose Ngakwe. Uh, I think I said that right. I'm not great with names, especially that one. But, uh, yeah, he sent to the Vikings, probably their best defensive player. And the Jaguars are a team that was bad, and they got worse. 
I'm scared to see how bad they're going to do. 0-16, not quite. 1-15 for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who's your fourth-place team in this division? Uh, so my fourth-place team in the division is obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have them going 2-14. and 14. I have oh, them a little bit more win. generous than you, Sammy. All right. All right, so they're basically a playoff team. You know, <laughs> no, 2-14. and 14. Sammy, you said it best. They don't have that much talent. They have a couple of bright spots. DJ Chark would be one. Uh, I mean, there's not much to say about them. Yeah. Really not a very good football team. So let me move on now to my third-place team. And out of the Texans, Colts, and Titans, all three of these teams I think can be kind of interchangeable. Yep. Uh, they're very close, as you Great. were saying earlier, Sammy. But, you know, I had to make a decision, yep. and I went with the Colts. In third place. Third place. I have them going 8-8. Eight and eight. All right. So my reasoning for this is Phillip Rivers, their quarterback, I don't fully trust him. He's a little bit washed up, I would say it's fair to say. That didn't make much sense. But Jonathan Taylor, I do like that pick at running back. But if you look at their weapons, uh, Marlon Mack, I like. Yeah. Well, I also like like T.Y. Hilton has historically been a very injury prone player. That's true. And I don't know healthy. if I can fully trust him if he stays healthy. If he uh, stays healthy, he's good. They have a decent defense. Oh, yeah. Uh, Malik Hooker, Xavier Rhodes, but Darius Leonard. But, I, you know, I just had to make a decision. So I had to, you know, I, I had to choose one of them to be my third place team. Yeah, me too. It's. We all have to choose. We have to make decisions in life, hard little decisions. And I had to do it. And I put the defending division champion Houston Texans in third place with eight wins. And this may surprise some of you because out of these three teams last year, they were definitely the best. But even starting during the season last year, they were losing pieces to that good team. First, David on Clowney, uh, Clowney, who we all love. He is a phenomenal defensive player. He is gone. And defensively, on that D-line, you have so much pressure on J.J. Watt. And if he's not, like, a top five defensive end in football, that D-line is going to really suffer. And they're not going to be able to I make think any impact. Be, though. I think J.J. Watt's one of the greatest defensive ends of our generation. But and you also got to think injuries. Injuries have plagued him these past that is, few years. That is a fair and, point. I mean, if he misses three games, even two games, like it, it just hurts you. And you also lose DJ Reader, a big piece, and it really helped JJ Watt when he was healthy. It took some attention away from him, and because he got to block Reader too. And then offensively. Deshaun Watson, I love. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. But when you don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore, it becomes a little bit of a different battle. And the receiving core is still good. Brandon Cooks, I really like. And um, Will Fuller, who I think can if really Will Fuller, step up. He does have injury issues, but if he can mm-hmm. stay healthy, you know he's going to give you a very productive season. Yeah, Will, Will Fuller I like, but the running game gives me real worries. You trade DeAndre Hopkins for... David Johnson, which... Joe O'Brien, back at it again. Uh, I, I, no one has comprehended that trade. It, no one gets it. No one understands. But it happened, and David Johnson's on the Texans. And, I mean, 
yes, he had that one year where he was like a fantasy football god. He had like 16 touchdowns. He had over 1,200 yards. He was balling. That was 2016. Since then, he has not put up over 1,000 yards in a season. Last year in 13 games, he put up less than 350. To be that fair, though, really to be fair, he did have to deal with Kenyon Drake. I think that uh, he's going to do a lot better. I'm not saying he's going to be good, but I'm saying he's definitely going to do a lot better, and he's in a lot. He's he's in a better position to succeed yeah. on this offense. That's fair, but just I'm not buying it. I mean, any rusher, no matter your circumstances, if you're not putting up a thousand yards, if you haven't put up a thousand yards in the past four years. And you're gonna you're expected to carry what is gonna be a relatively weak passing offense, I believe. It's not gonna work. And it just with the Texans, it comes down to their running offense isn't good enough to back up their passing offense. Their offense isn't good enough to back up their defense. It's just it's they're not good enough. And last year they were good enough. This year, not the case. Don't get me wrong, I still love Deshaun Watson and I think they could rebuild the team back up a little bit pretty quickly, but as of now, they're eight and eight. So yeah, we got third place out of the way. Let's go to second place. Jack. Yes. So my second place team is the Titans. Uh, I actually went the opposite of you and put the, um, Oh my God, I'm blanking on the, the Texans in first place, but I'll talk about that in a little bit. I think that the Titans they're a good team. I think Ryan and Tannehill is a very serviceable quarterback. Derrick Henry, one of the best running backs in the NFL. But that's what worries me. For them to make it where they did last year, they had to rely so heavily on Derrick Henry. And I just don't know if he's capable, I mean, of that workload two seasons in a row. Yeah, and I, I, I have the Titans in first place, actually. which So I'll, I'll kind of start talking about them a little bit. And I, I do think uh, their success was very much due to how good uh, Derrick Henry was. He was a phenomenal asset in the playoffs and especially in the late regular season, really, really good. But I think they have an underrated uh, receiving core. When you look at Adam Humphreys, who has been a nice asset throughout his career. And then you got, uh, AJ Brown, who was really great last year, a great fantasy player. They have some assets, and I'm not trying to make the case that it's great, but with a quarterback like Ryan Tannehill, who last year led the league in QB rating, and he's one of those guys who's just going to be hitting his spots, accurate. He's going to be he's going to be getting the job done. I don't know if you need a great receiving core to have a good passing game, and if the Titans have a good passing game. They have a good offense because we already know Henry is going to carry that offense for the most part. As long as this passing game is top 20, the Titans offense is going to be really good because Henry, it, that, that's like not, you know, that much pressure on him if the offense is, or if the passing offense is that good. Uh, do you want to talk about the, uh, you, did you talk about the Texans at all? No, I will. And if you guys disagree with our predictions, if you guys agree with our predictions, let us know. You guys can leave a voicemail by clicking the call button on our Instagram bio or by just calling 202-743-1767. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, chatter underscore cheap sheets pod, chatter from a cheap sheets YouTube, 
five-star rating and review Apple Podcasts. But anyway, I have the Texans in first place. And like I said, I think out of the Titans, the Texans, and the Colts, very close. So I kind of judged it off of who I feel most confident at at quarterback. And I never gave, by the way, I never gave my uh, predictions for the um, the Titans. I think the Titans are going to go nine and seven. I have but, the Titans with 10 wins. 10 wins. So, yeah, I talked about my first-place team, the Titans, and now I'm going to give you going backwards a little bit to my second-place team, the Indianapolis Colts. And I like this team. They're a really solid team. Frank Reek, I really like. Reich, Reek, I'm not quite sure on the pronunciation. But Philip Rivers is a guy who isn't going to be great, but he's going to have a chance to thrive a little bit in that offense. I think more so than he did in uh, – excuse me, in San Diego or Los Angeles, just because I think you have better coaching. You have probably not better weapons, maybe about equal weapons, but I think Phillip Rivers can be good enough for this offense to be good because your rushing game underrated. You got Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, and Naheem Hines, who really three guys who are going to be getting a lot of carries in this offense really pushing this rushing game forward. And defensively, you add DeForest Buckner, you add Xavier Rhodes, and it's very much improved from where they were last year. I think 10 wins is not out of the question at all for the Colts. So I'll let Jack, I talked about my second and first place. I'll let Jack do his first place team. So take it away. Yeah, so for my first place team, I have the Texans in like I said earlier, the Texans, the Titans, and the Colts, all very close. So I kind of based it off of who I feel most confident at at quarterback, and okay. that is, without a doubt, Deshaun Watson. Enough, yeah. I mean, Deshaun Watson is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I cannot say this. Brian Tannehill is a game manager at best. Same thing with Phillip Rivers, and Phillip Rivers is old. I think that Deshaun Watson is a very good quarterback. I think that David Johnson – he has high upside. I don't know what he is low. He has, he's very high ceiling. However, he also has a very low floor. Mm-hmm. But I think they have a good defense led by J.J. Watt, who I think is going to stay healthy and have a good year. Very good wide receiver core. Uh, Brandon Cooks is good. Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb. Remember when Randall Cobb was on the Packers? Dude. Oh, I dude, I hated Randall Cobb. You he hated Randall kill, Cobb? He killed the Bears. I mean, there were games – I it was – First game, 2019 or 18, the Bears were up 20 nothing at the end of the half. Randall Cobb destroyed us in the second half. It, single-handedly. It wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It was Randall Cobb, man. It was brutal. It uh, wasn't Aaron Rodgers. It was Randall Cobb. I haven't heard that one a lot. But let's move on now to the NFC South. So I'll start off. So in fourth place, for me in the NFC South, I have the Panthers. I have the Panthers going... Uh, four and 12. Yeah, let's see. I have the Panthers. Just got to find it real quick. I have the Panthers with three wins, three and 13, a little lower than you do. Okay, but you have, you have them in fourth place. Yeah, fourth place. Yeah. I think we don't know what Teddy Bridgewater is going to be. Uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is the best running back or one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the, the NFL. The best running back in the NFL. Yeah, the, I mean – Pretty good wide receivers. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, both very serviceable. Uh, Curtis Samuel. But I I don't think that I can really trust Teddy Bridgewater. And I don't think that they're going to have that good a year. I think offensively, like, the Panthers aren't that bad of a team. Their O-line will give them a lot of issues. I'll give them that. But 
Offensively, they're not that bad of a team. Defensively is where I have some serious Little bit issues. Right. Some serious issues. Luke Keekley retired, right? Um, I yeah, think, yeah. yeah. He, he retired. That was, a, few, that was uh, a bit surprising. Yeah, I, that's very early retirement for Luke Keekley and there's not much going on. Like, I don't even know what to talk about with this defense, really. I There isn't much going on. I'm This offense will be good, but they're going to lose a lot of high-scoring games because the defense will not be enough to sustain it. 3-13 and 13 for the Panthers. And I think if they could get some assets through the draft, through trades, you know, through acquisitions, defensively, they could be a really good team. And if they become a good team... To, if they, excuse me, if they become a good team defensively, they'll be a good team again because that offense, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Teddy Bridgewater, who I do like, and of course, Christian McCaffrey, who is amazing. Yeah. Panthers could be a good team in the next few years. Stay tuned with the Panthers. Panthers cannot talk right now, but uh, yeah, for now, they're stuck at the bottom of that division. Yeah. So. Now let's move on now to the third, my third place team, which I had the Falcons in third place. I had them going, I had them going six and ten. Me too. Yep. Ooh, twinsies. Twinsies. No, but I, I mean, Matt Ryan, I still think is a good quarterback. I still think he can get it done. Uh, obviously, Julio Jones is a really good, one of the best wide receivers in the game. Todd Gurley, I think, is going to have a little bit of a comeback year, but. They don't have the best defense, and that's mm-hmm. what kind of worries me a little bit about that them. So, Sammy, you want to talk about the Falcons a little bit? Yeah, the Falcons have with six wins, and you know they, they have some nice assets defensively. Their uh, linebacking core is pretty good, but I actually think the troubles are going to happen offensively. And Matt Ryan, I love Julio Jones, I love, and that's a nice duo. But besides that, Todd Gurley. See, I that, you don't that, like Todd Gurley. I mean, that's fair. I don't that's like Todd Gurley. That's completely I, fair. I think he was helped by a good old line in Los Angeles. Not a great old line, but a good old line. And yes, he, he was great, but that offense was also really good. Like, and I, I just don't think he's in a situation in a, in Atlanta where he can succeed. I, I'm just not envisioning Todd Gurley being successful this year. I, I like the guy a lot, but. I hate to say it. I don't think he's going to be that good. And that's going to hurt and his that, offense that's completely a, That's a fair statement. Yeah, I and th- that'll hurt him because, yeah, Matt Ryan's been great, but I feel like they uh, their offensive scheme has been pretty, you know, relatively heavy in the run considering how many weapons they have had. Um, Devontae Freeman had some really nice years, and now he's gone. I don't think Todd Gurley is going to be that good. I, I just, I think it's going to be kind of a failed attempt at a new running back for the Falcons, but that's where I have my issues with them really offensively. Defensively, they're not good, but I think if their offense was really good, it would overcome that and they would be able to be a, a eight win plus team, but it's just not really working out for the Falcons offensively. I think that that's that's fair. And yeah. let me move on now to the second place team, uh, perhaps the most exciting team or not exciting, interesting team in the NFC South. 
I had the 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 Buccaneers. I had the Buccaneers going ten and six. Uh, Me we too. talked about them again, man. A little. Ooh, we talked about them a little bit earlier on the show, so we're not going to spend too much time on them here. However, one of the best offenses in football. The defense is where the problems are. I think if they can just keep their defense mediocre, they're going to have a very good season. Yeah, I mean, their defense has some really nice assets, some good players that are going to be making plays, and it's honestly not as bad of a defense as people give it credit for. I've been winning 10 games, and this defense could be god-awful. It could be really bad, but they are still going to win games because you got Tom Brady at the helm, Mike Ev- I mean, one of the probably the best weapons – any quarterback has, and it's oh, Tom for, Brady. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And it's Tom Hands Brady. Down. It is I mean, scary. from every position on the offensive side of the football, you have running back, you have Leonard Fournette, good weapon. Uh, wide receivers, you have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, both insane weapons. Tight ends, you have O.J. Howard and Rob Gronkowski, good weapons. I mean, it's, it, it's a quarterback's dream. And it's not like you got Josh Rosen there. You got Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time. And, and Bruce Arians. He doesn't have to be great. He doesn't have to be great. Yeah, it's, the Buccaneers are a team. I'm starting to buy into the hype a little bit like we talked about earlier. But I guess since we've had the same bottom three teams, we have the same first place team as well. The New Orleans Saints. Jack, talk about the Saints a little bit, and then I'll talk a little bit because this is a team yeah, that I have has the been so good. So yeah, good. I have the Saints going 12-4. and four. I have the Saints, let's see, it's, I have them with 12 wins, but I think they could be I mean, possibly be a 13 yeah, No, team. for sure. I think Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, uh, Emmanuel Sanders, defensive side of the football, Malcolm Jenkins, Cameron Jordan, Janoris Jenkins, uh, DeMario Davis, Rashawn Lattimore. I mean, very good team, and they have the best – Three quarterbacks in football, I would have to say, with with um, Drew Brees, uh, Jameis Winston, and Taysom Hill. Oh, my God, yeah. And I think that it shows a lot of maturity out of Jameis Winston to take a backup job and learn under Drew Brees. And I think this is Drew Brees. This is obviously Drew Brees. I, I keep saying obviously. This is Drew Brees' last season in football before he retires. Most likely. Even after the season – I think that Jameis Winston can come in and do a great job. I think learning from Drew Brees is going to help him tremendously because oh, yeah. the one thing that Jameis Jameis Winston tr- struggles with is accuracy. And That's Drew Brees exactly is one of the greatest uh, greatest quarterbacks of all time when it comes to accuracy. Oh yeah, the Saints are the most talented and deepest team in the NFL. Like you were saying, they have three guys who could be starting quarterbacks probably, and. Also, running back, Alvin Kamara, who's one of the best in the league when healthy, when healthy. But even if he is, gets taken out of the uh, equation like he was last year, Latavius Murray has been a phenomenal number two guy. I'd say he's like a top three number two running back in the league. So, so good. And we tend to forget that he had a really good year in either 15 or 16 in Oakland. He was a superstar. And I think the Saints just have such a deep, talented team. Michael Thomas, it blows your mind. Michael Thomas has to have a big year, baby. He's on He's on my fantasy team. He has to have a big year. Yeah, I mean, like, the, with the Saints, I feel like they should have won a Super Bowl by now. And they haven't even been to one. 
They've gotten robbed a few times. They I want to see Drew Brees win another losses. Super Bowl so badly. Oh, me too. I love Drew Brees. I mean, it's been rough. Last year, they had an overtime game against the Vikings. The year before was the pass interference against the Rams. The year before that was the Minneapolis miracle against the Vikings. I feel bad for Saints fans because they've been so good. The best team in football past three years, and they have not made it to the Super Bowl. Maybe this will be the year that they can finally uh, get to the big game because the talent's there. On paper, it's there. They've just got to execute in the postseason. That's the bottom line. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that will do it for us today on Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Uh, Yeah, fun episode. As Sammy would say, you guys can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Chatter underscore Cheap Seats Pod. YouTube, Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you only do one of these things, please do that one. It is highly important. Leave a voicemail, 202-743-1767. Or you can just click the call button in the link on our bio of our Instagram, which is also Chatter from the Cheap Seats yep. Pod. Or no, it, it not no. It's Chatter underscore Cheap Seats Pod. Little confusing sometimes, but Sammy, any last words? Mm, not really. Another fun episode. Got to say that. And or even mentioned last time that we could do a compilation of me saying that every time. Yeah, and Ori will be back be next episode. He is taking another well-deserved break. He is having a fancy dinner with his family. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, another fun episode for sure. Miss you, Ori. He'll be back. Not next really. Episode. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, Don't but worry. um, yeah, fun episode as always. And yeah, for me, that'll do it. I'll send it to Jack. Yeah, uh, yeah, just you know, great episode. See you guys next time. Hope you made it this far. If you did, yes. DM us on our Instagram, Shatter underscore Cheap Seeds Pod, Chicken Wings, because oh my god, I'm craving chicken wings right now, but. Uh, Ori is not here today, so Sammy, you have to take his place. Uh, See you guys next time on Shatter from the Cheap Seats. Sammy, take us out. Bye.